Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. So today is Palm Sunday. It's also uh, leads into what we call the Passion uh, Week, the Holy Week. It, it starts with Jesus coming into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey. And this is, if you've grown up in the church, you've heard this story so many times. And, and, and in fact, it could be another religious thing that you've heard and say, I know it, and brush it aside. And sometimes there is danger to the over-familiar. Amen? So sometimes we can look at something we say we know and we shut out. We look on our phones and check our emails and whatever it is. I want us to come back to the heart of worship in everything that we do. And, and that heart of worship is to coming into union. And that is, even though you may know this story, I welcome you to listen with the intent. God, I give you my heart. What is it that you want me to hear tonight? Okay? And, and this Palm Sunday, it really depends on the church traditions, depending on where I've been. I, I recognize that. But more than the church holiday, I, I wanted to bring to you the few points of what happened on that triumphal entry where Jesus rode into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. I want you to ask the question, what is the significance about the triumphal entry? Why did Jesus ride in on a donkey? And what does that mean for you and me today? Okay, those are the few things that we were going to cover. But I want you to ask that question, what's the significance? Why did he ride on a donkey? Couldn't he rent a better vehicle, you know? Um, and what does it mean for you and me? So if you have your phones or Bibles, even better, look on Luke 19. I'm going to read the NIV version for you tonight. Luke 19, we'll be looking at verses 28 to 40. 28 to 40. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going to, up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the villages ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it, bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell him, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. And as they were untying the coat, its owner asked them, why are you untying the coat? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the coat, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. This is the word of the Lord. 
So here's the context. After three years of ministry, Jesus is traveling. Three and a half years, really. Healing, preaching about the kingdom of God. Jesus is finishing his ministry. This is really his final week of his life. He enters Jerusalem, and this is the week before Passover. This is significant. This is the context to which the whole story, the background, the holiday, the timing of all these things entails. And you may know that Passover, especially at that time, is one of the three biggest holidays for the ancient Jews to make pilgrimage. No matter where they lived, all over Eastern, Western Europe, Middle East, they made the pilgrimage travel the distance to get to Jerusalem because that's where the temple was. That's where you made the sacrifice with a priest. This is where they atoned for their sins. This was the travel season of travel season. You and I might recognize it maybe like Thanksgiving or Christmas when we travel. We set that time. And you know the, the airlines, you know, they upcharge during that time because everybody wants to travel. And it's chaotic with a number of crowds from all over the country or maybe even the world traveling to get home. Imagine at that time in history, you walked. Harder, you travel with a whole family. It wasn't just you. If you're single, maybe, but more than likely, you travel with your whole family. And they didn't have small families back then. You carried your sacrificial animal. You carried your bags. You carried the animals. You carried your kids for days, maybe even weeks, to get to Jerusalem. And it's interesting that Jesus is getting to ready to enter, and there's crowds everywhere. And details we see in this account is that, one, Jesus rode in on a donkey. Two, people shouted praises, saying, Hosanna. That's usually saved for the Lord God. And three, they, Jesus did not stop them from proclaiming these praises. Okay. So let's start with a donkey. Couldn't Jesus pick a better animal? I mean, unless you're a Shrek, most people like donkeys. I recognize that. But why a donkey? And many, many of us have grown up in the church hearing because Jesus was such a humble servant, the foal of an animal. He was so humble. That's what we believe. That's what many of us have been taught. But let me tell you two reasons why Jesus rode in on a donkey. One, it's not because he was humble. He was humble, but it's not because he's humble he chose a humble animal. Did you know that donkeys were royalty animals? It's animals of royalty, of kings, or the very wealthy. It's it was a vehicle. It was a smoother ride compared to horses. Horses were the tanks of back then. So kings rode it on horses only if they were coming back from a war. But all the other time they rode in on donkeys because that's a smoother ride. It would be like this. If the president of the United States were to come into Washington, D.C. or in any city to have a parade, would he come in on a tank 
or a convertible top limousine. Well, after a JFK, probably not com convertible top, right? But that's what they did. In a parade setting, it was a nice limousine. Now it's like bulletproof and everything else, but <laughs> that's another story. It's a limousine, not a tank. So Jesus, the king, riding in on a donkey was to reveal his kingship. Because it was more appropriate to ride in on a convertible top with a smooth ride than a tank for this setting. King David, when he was old, and you know, just to give you an example of what I'm talking about, King David, he's ready to die. He, he's ready to pass away. And Solomon was, supposed, was promised the, the kingship, right, if you guys remember that. But his other son, Adonijah, wanted to take that kingship. And so he was telling, politically, he was telling everybody and making sacrifices in the tech war, telling, saying, I'm the next king. And to stop it, when David heard about this, the first thing he did to make sure that Solomon would be recognized as the next reigning legitimate king, he ordered that Solomon ride into town riding on David's donkey. It was to reveal that he who rides the, the king's vehicle will be recognized as the king. And there's many references in the Old Testament. If you read, the wealthy people rode in on donkeys. And that was because they were so humble. It was a vehicle of choice. Well, you know, people think that there is some vehicle to the identity. You know, some guys like to ride in on sports cars and ride low to show who they are. You guys know what I'm talking about? I remember that there was a time when I was single. I had a Jeep Wrangler convertible top. We lifted with bigger tires. It was cool. Silver. Even my wife, Sarah, she thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. It was a good-looking Jeep. But here's what people said at the church. That's not a vehicle for pastor. You should be riding on a humble vehicle. That doesn't seem like a vehicle for pastors. And so there's an automatic relationship of there's a vehicle to your identity that you should be riding in on, right? And people somehow assume that donkeys were a humble animal because Jesus is so humble. No, he, Jesus rode in on a donkey because he was a king. That's the relationship, not humility. We think 21st century context, it's like, oh, you, you know, Horses are more majestic. No, that's your 21st century. You're not, you have to look at the cultural context to understand what it meant back then in the first century. Okay. Jesus rode in on a donkey, revealed that he was the king. He was a prophesied Messiah. And people lined the roads, spread the cloaks for him to ride over, and then they shouted praises. Luke 19, 38, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Mark 11, 9 through 10. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Matthew 21, 9. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. 
I want you to know that in all four Gospels, there's a synoptic Gospels, the three Gospels who are very parallel in the timeline of the stories. And then there's Book of John, the Gospel of John, that's very different. But all four Gospels details how Jesus was recognized with praises and hosanna in the highest, right? Exalting as he came in. But I want you to get this. Here's the interesting part. All these praises, like hosanna, was set apart praise for the Yahweh God. Never in the history of mankind was anybody recipient of such praise. You guys get this? Unprecedented. Hosanna literally translates in the Hebrew, save us, O Lord, we pray to Yahweh. It comes from the reference in Psalm 118.25, save us, we pray, O Lord, in the all capital L-O-R-D. You guys know in the Bible, there is cap, capital L and small O-R-D, that's Lord, that's um, Lord Master, right? But when you see all caps, capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D, that's the name of Yahweh. The reason they replaced it with Lord is because they revered his name so holy that they would not say the name. So if you look at Jehovah or Yahweh, one of the reasons why, it's the same Hebrew word. I want you to know that. Different vowels, Jehovah versus Yahweh. And the reason we have two different pronunciations is because people stopped saying the name. They just read it. And said, Lord, instead, because they revered it so holy. They didn't have vowels in the Hebrew letters. They had the consonants without the vowels. So they guessed Jehovah versus Yahweh. You guys get this? Probably Yahweh is the more accurate. But I, want, I say that not loosely, but I, I tell you this because the ancient Jews revered his name so holy, they would not even say it. Yet in the context, save us, Hosanna was set aside to, G to God himself, Yahweh, that they could not even say the name. And yet they are saying to Jesus. You guys get this? The Pharisees, the religious, heard this praise and wanted to put a stop to this immediately. Can you understand? Right? The Pharisees who did not think Jesus was the Christ. The Pharisees who thought he was blaspheming. He was like, who, who, who do you think you are to teach us? what you know? The Pharisees heard Hosanna and such praise addressed to Jesus, and they wanted to put a stop to him immediately because they recognized such praise was not for Jesus, or that's what they thought. And so they said in verse 39, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples because they thought this was blaspheming. And Jesus didn't put a stop. He said, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry, will cry out. This is interesting. If they keep quiet, the rocks will cry out. For three and a half years, as Jesus has been ministering, he is healing the sick, casting out demons. He is resurrecting the dead. He is doing the miraculous. And people said, some say he was a prophet. Some say he was, you know, the Christ. But 
whenever they said he was the Christ, the Son of God, he's like, shh, don't tell anybody his identity, right? He kept them quiet, and he kept ministering until now. He said, this is time. Now is the time. Because if they don't cry out, the rocks will cry out. If they don't praise, if they don't honor him, honor the king in his own hometown, rocks will cry out. Because he who deserves all the worship and the honor, in that context, the other creations will cry out instead. For the first time, Jesus allowed the people to praise his name, his identity, expressions that were only set aside for God himself. And he received it. Wouldn't even stop them because he himself was the one who deserved the honor and the glory. And he said, if they don't shout, the rocks will cry out. It's so important that we create a culture of worship. If we don't give glory to God, if we don't shout our praises, rocks will cry out in our stead. I'm not going to let a rock beat me in praise. The rocks can rock and roll. But I'm going to praise the Lord. And if anybody wants to reduce and think, hey, we're supposed to praise. Lost, found, found free, peace reign. That's who we are. But Jesus recognized the worship. The triumphant entry on that Palm Sunday was not about showing his humility but that he was the much-anticipated, prophesied Christ, the Messiah. He was revealing, this is who I am. I'm the king that you have been waiting for. Coming, the prince of peace, entering Jerusalem, the city of peace. Jerusalem means city of peace. The prince of peace is entering his city of peace. The king himself is entering to become the Passover lamb. It was to reveal his identity. He was coming to show who he was, to let all the world. The three and a half years I've been doing the miracles, I've been preaching about the kingdom of God, and I'm finally letting everybody know this is who I am before what I go to, which was the cross. He had to show and to reveal but I'm not the king that you thought I was. He was blowing away all expectations because the very people who were shouting out Hosanna in the highest were letter in the week would say crucify him, crucify him. Because he failed to fulfill their own expectations. And we all, and this is in 21st century, we have our expectations of what church is supposed to be. And this prohibited us sometimes to seeing the king of kings. And sometimes we have to just get that out of our mind. It's our own expectation. It is the jar that we put God into that limits us from seeing the fullness of who he is. 
it is sometimes our expectation that keeps us from seeing our God. But that triumphant entry was to reveal. It was the introduction to his identity. It's sort of a... Have you ever heard Steve Harvey do an introduction on Jesus? No? Oh. He says something like this. If I were to bring up Jesus into the room, he said, this is how I would do it. You don't have to do it this way, but this is how I would do it. Right? And he said, ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to list. He has done the impossible time after time. He hails out of manger in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, by way of heaven. His mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church today. His daddy is the author of a book that has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the greatest fish fry. He fed 5,000 hungry souls with two fish and five loaves of bread. He can walk on water, turn water into wine, no special effects, no camera tricks. He has a headshot in every church van across the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he hails as a king of all kings, ruler of the universe, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, the bright and morning star. Some say he's a rose of Sharon. Some say he's a prince of peace. But get up on your feet, put your hands together, and show your love for the second coming of the one and only. You guys didn't get up. What? Come on now. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. The triumphal entry was an introduction to his identity. The donkey revealed his kingship. The praises revealed what he deserved. He is the much anticipated. He came. He was a prophesied Messiah. He came fulfilling the prophecies of the Old Testament. How many prophecies? Too many for us to count. For one person to fulfill all those prophecies, miracle. That's like winning a lottery. Jesus entered Jerusalem on a mule, and that was his introduction. So what does that mean for us? Jesus came. He came because he was promised that he would came. All over the Old Testament, he is coming. He is coming. He is coming. And Jesus came. And he said he'll come again. He is good. He is faithful. He fulfills his promises. And that's why we're here. And he says, be prepared. Keep praising him where the rocks will cry out. How should we remember and celebrate the Palm Sunday? We celebrate. We celebrate because our God, the King, 
came not in the way that people expected. And many misunderstood him then. Many misunderstand him now. But we praise him. We celebrate. The church is not a dreaded place where we have to be so serious. I don't want to be pretentious here. Uh, believe me, I, I'm very intense and I'm a very serious person. That's just who I am. <laughs> and sometimes just trying to uh, give excellence, I come across very serious and very angry at times. But church does not have to be filled with intense, serious people. Did you know that in the early church, the communion was a celebration? At some point in church history, it became a memorial after the Protestant Reformation. No, really, this is interesting to know. If you know the church history, at what point did the bread and the wine become a memorial where you have to be solemn and so sad and remember, oh, Jesus, you died for us. It's not wrong. It, it, it honors him. But in the early church in the first century, people celebrated and had parties. Yeah, Paul had to correct him. You're drinking a little bit too much. I know you're partying, but you're drinking way too much on the communion. Right? And so he corrected them. But they were partying it up. That was the communion. The church has come so far. From, it's like a pendulum swinging from one extreme all the way to another. It's like, okay, don't party. Okay, it's not happiness and joy, right? It's like, no, all joy out of the church. I bring all that to say, we come to church to celebrate, to praise, to enjoy one another as a family of God. We look for reasons to be united with him and united with one another. He has removed the chasms vertically and horizontally. We celebrate because he came and he's going to come again. We celebrate because he has given us promise. Old Testament, New Testament, he's the same God. He wants to bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you in every one of you. At what point did people think, oh, poverty is holiness? No, God wants to bless you. God wants to. For you to be his glory, lacking nothing. The triumphal entry is about triumph over death and sin. His entry was to reveal who he is and who we are in him. And that's good news. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.